give that shit up, you can concentrate on golf. If you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball. Great moments are born from great opportunity. You play ball like a girl! Hi everybody and welcome to a Roy Orbison Tattoo Podcast with me, Colm, and my co-hosts, Massey and Paul. This is episode 5 of season 3. If it is your first time listening, I would advise to go back to the start and listen from episode 1 as we will refer to previous shows from time to time. The show does contain film spoilers, so if you've not yet seen the film, I would also advise watching it first. It might help you understand a little bit better. Now for today's show, I hope you enjoy. We are watching. We are... I'm waiting for you to show up, Marshall, there, lads, but obviously you didn't <laughs> think of it. But we're watching We Are Marshall. Uh, we got Massey and Paul as always. Welcome, lads. How are you doing, Mace? How are you all? I'm delighted to see we're, we're joined by Tipperary and Kildangan man, Dara Egan. So, Dara, thanks very much for coming on with us. Hi, lads. How are you getting on? Colin, Paul, Massey, how are you? How are you, Dara? So, give us a quick one, do a 30-second background on yourself, if you can possible to do it. And, uh, and then you might, you might explain why you picked, uh, why you chose the movie as well. Yeah, so, as I said there, I'm a Kildangan man and uh, very proud county champions at present there for, uh, for the first time ever uh, also involved with Liam, Eamon, Owen and Tommy there with Tipperary their last last two years and um, hoping hoping to get going for 2021, I suppose. That's the that's the aim over these few weeks. Um, so, yeah, based at home, I'm a primary school teacher, so I'm uh, remote learning at present and, uh, and that's going well too. So, yeah, that's where we're at. And you're the coaching officer in the club? Yeah, yeah, I would have, uh, I would have been a former, I suppose, juvenile chairman, and over the last few years, I've just given a handout with some of the coaching concepts in the club. And uh, obviously, when you're involved with Tip, you don't have, a, you can't get down there as much as you'd like to. But I suppose my oldest boy is five and a half now, so he's going to go through the process over the next few years. So hoping to get a bit more involved now again over the next few years. And uh, I suppose being principal in in Kildare National School as well is obviously a big help because I can see what's going on on the ground there as well, you know. Excellent, excellent. Um, so we are Marshall. What 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 drew drew you to this? Other than all the other good films we're taking, as we yeah, always get told. Yeah, there's a serious uh, serious raft of good good movies gone there. Um, more lesser known film um, than than some of the rest. Uh, top class film, and uh, I suppose what really drew t- drew me to it is that I really love the NFL and uh, I love the American football. Uh, brother of mine left for left for Chicago in 1993. Going over for the summer, do a bit of hurling. I remember. I actually remember vividly. We were coming out of Kilmacud Croke Sevens in uh, I think it was August or September in 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 ninety two, and we got a, a leaflet in the window. Do you want to hurl in the sun? So the brother got the leaflet, and he was in Chicago the following April. So um, I kind of have an affiliation with the NFL and with the American sports. So uh, Cullum is still there. He went to ninety three for a summer. And then he said he'd stay on for 1994 World Cup, and uh, he's married with two kids out there since. So, and um, he's he's working for the GA as well over there. At, uh, yeah, Chicago, isn't he? Yeah, he is. I think you would have had a few dealings with him yeah. over the years. Yeah, yeah, he does. Yeah, he's a games games development officer in North America there, so mainly based in Chicago. Um, but he does, you know, he's been all around the country giving courses, and I think he's a referee uh, in Chicago for some of the senior hurling football uh, games as well. So. Um, yeah, he still keeps very much. He'd know more that what's going on in Kildare sometimes than I would. So he's very much a home bird. But uh, no, his his life's in Chicago now, and we've good old crack there in the Sunday evenings, getting ready for the NFL matches, and and it's perfect timing now with the 
with the playoff season going 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 well at the moment. So that that's what drew drew me to it really. Yeah, very good. So like the movie. Like I suppose, look, there's there's many different angles to it. No, first of all, Massey before Massey says it. Yes, I was crying numerous times. Um, it, it is an emotional movie, like isn't it? Oh, it is. Yeah, it is. Like, like McConaughey, McConaughey is such a big part in it, and uh, you know, it's it's one of his better it's one of his better roles. Uh, she's such. I think his character in it, like he's so wild and he's so mad, and you know, some of the stuff he comes out with is so random. And this little tap in the arse there that he gives to literally everybody, even the school chair, chairman and all that kind of stuff. I think he's a, he's a great role in it. And, and again, some dressing rooms down the country probably heard his speech over the years uh, where he goes to the monument or the, the graves of the lads who were killed. And um, No, he's, 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 a, he's a top class character in it, really. Yeah, it was a film like I've never actually saw the film before so it was actually great watching it and you took the words out of my mouth there like he had that bit of wildness about him and uh, and I thought as a character he was brilliant a bit of wildness a bit of madness that brought everybody together after such a tragedy and it's like I'm not talking about like every club is going to have a plane crash or whatever but like some clubs might be in a bad way after a previous couple of years of just losing matches or whatever and you might you, sometimes you need that spark just to just to give that little buzz back to a place and I, I thought he was a brilliant character I thought he was was he obviously he's a fantastic actor but um like even the little coaching things he did it in the film was brilliant I thought yeah and like I suppose early on like when when he actually went for the job um like the, the president of the college said, what's your angle? Like, why do you want the job? And I'm always skeptical if somebody comes offering their assistance, because if I want, <laughs> let's say, if I want Gary Egan to come down and give me a coaching session, um, or I suppose the fellas that you want are always busy. They're the fellas that are busy elsewhere, as I said, better they involved in underage or adult level or whatever. But it's the fellas, you kind of you put a question mark. If something is coming offering his assistance, you're going to go, right, what's, what's up here? Like, um, so I suppose, but he was able to give, you know, a real emotive answer there that he said that he wanted to see if he could help them any bit. And um, I suppose for something like that, it's it's unusual in the GA that like you got someone that's re- a real selfless kind of act, as opposed to like at the top jobs, let's say inter- club club senior teams, first teams and second teams, you've got fellas kind of going with a small bit ego driven. But within the GA. A lot of coaching and a lot of people involved. It's very, very selfless, like, isn't it? And especially in the juvenile club. Oh, like massively. And uh, and I know actually there's a there's a good bit of stuff on Twitter there at the moment about bringing in outside coaches into club teams. And you know, I know it's it's generally angled at the Dublin clubs, which is probably a bit unfair as well because they're in a different different sphere to the rest of us. But when you go back to brass tacks and you're you're kind of going, you know, you're trying to build up a club or you're trying to you're trying to get something going in a club, like it really, really just goes back to some lad coming and offering his services. Like the big thing that I draw drew from the movie was was how everyone in the town was so invested. Like you know, and it is the same in every parish, every small town, every big town in in the country. Everyone is so invested, and that's all the chat that on the Monday morning or on the Thursday evening before the Friday night match and. Um, everyone is so so invested in it, and and the big thing about you know him McConaughey, given what he gave to the movie and given what he gave to Marshall University, he that's what we're that's what 
every club should strive to do, you know, around, around Ireland is is kind of just really, really go back to brass tacks, get good people involved, whether they have an unbelievable skill set of what they're doing or not. People need to learn, go through the process and learn. And, and you know, it, it, it drew me back to a few um, mirror images of what we've done in Kalingan over the last few years. And, and that was good. You know, it's good to kind of, yeah, you know, see see little things in a film like that that might hit home a bit, you know? Yeah, like me watching the film and obviously knowing we're going chatting to you, like the scenes at the end and throughout the film where how important the club, the let's say the college is, to the, the people of Huntington and then like looking back at the, the Tip County final during the summer and Brian McLaughlin gets the goal and there's seven or eight people going book wild absolutely book wild in the stands and that's what it, that's what it was like at, at times in the film you know and there's very there, there isn't enough of that um, affinity to place in, in, in a lot of sports but it is it is very much there and obviously Gaelic games, but but in the college side of things in, in America as well is is really good and it's it's it's, it's a real identity. Yeah, sure. Like when, when when Marshall won their first game back at home and and uh and you know there's a brilliant scene after when McConaughey he presents the match ball to the uh, president of the college who had actually been fired but he, he wanted him to be player of the game for that game because he did so much work for him to try to get the freshmen playing which was unheard of in the NCAA but you know that was a brilliant brilliant image but I suppose when when the touchdown was caught just on the buzzer uh, to win the game for Marshall it was similar enough to Malachny's uh, Malachny's goal in the county final and look that was pure absolute rider over stuff as as has been well documented over the last few months to try like their their kind of images and thoughts and things that will live with you forever like there was just absolute carnage like we were just so I suppose we were so devastated when John McGrath put over the 65 that we were like, oh no, here it goes again. Actually, just before John McGrath put, put over the 65, I was trying to uh, put on a number 16 jersey to get onto the pitch because I was going to be taking one of the penalties for the penalty shootout, uh, which you couldn't see. I, I, when when Malatney scored a goal, I'm on the sideline now and I only have a body warmer on. And lads were probably looking at me, what the hell is wrong with that lad? But I literally, I, the minute John McGrath uh, put the 65 over I just took off my jersey and just thrown on the ground absolutely devastated and next thing 15 seconds later we were absolutely going mental on the on, on the side of the pitch but just a few you know it's them kind of images again a lot has been documented about some of our supporters it was only 200 people at the game some of our sports were going absolutely crazy and all the way through the game but particularly at the end and uh, it was devastating for a lot more but uh, for our supporters, it's something that will live in the live in the memory for all time. Am I right in remembering there, Dara? Um, like it just shows you the thought process of your goalkeeper at the time that he was focused. That he had a ball behind his back while that free was being taken, so he was ready to hit it out straight away. Yeah, he had a ball. He had a ball in the hand. Yeah, he yeah. just he he knew. He, um, you know, like I suppose Barry's top class goalkeeper, and he um, at once it was an absolute mistake, but just. He got turned over with the ball in hand for to, to concede the sixty five. Conor McGrath mm. for that more did very well. He just tapped his elbow and the ball bounced out. Yeah. But Barry thankfully had the, had the awareness to uh, just have the ball. You know, he he we asked the referee when the ball was being put down for John to hit sixty five. What was left? And he said there was forty something seconds left, so there was going to be a chance. So he had it in the hand ready to go, and he just launched it and. 
again, thankfully Joe Gallagher caught the ball. You couldn't see that on you couldn't see that on the TG Car um, camera because they were they were just still going over the celebrations from the sixty five. Mm. But Joe's catch was absolutely outrageous. Like Joe got his hand on fifteen balls in that game, and genuinely, like fourteen of them dropped out of his hand. But the one, the, the, it's, I'm serious. Like, and Joe would admit that himself. He had a savage game for us and he did unbelievable amount of work. But he's the best man we have to catch a ball. And it just was bouncing out of hand that day. Down to good luck, more pressure, I must say. But just for that ball, he got up highest, caught it. And it was like the Red Sea part. There was six lot more lads drawn into him. And Malachny, uh, who wasn't long back on the field, he just thankfully stuck the goal. So... Uh, no, it was mad scenes. Jesus, mad scenes. And one, one, one good point that I was saying to you just before we come on there, you only see these things when you watch back the game. Uh, the first, first, obviously all the players are going mad on the pitch. First man onto the camera screen was was a guy called Connor Hayes, who's been in the Arthros for the last 11 years. And he was the last hero we had in Simple Stadium. He scored a goal against Carrick Shock to win the All-Ireland Intermediate Final for us in 2005. So... He, you know, he hasn't been home that much in the meantime, but it's cast the way it transpires. He's the first head on the camera <laughs> for the wild celebration. So Very it's funny the, funny the way the, the tables turn and things like that. Absolutely. All the lot more people can come back on now and listen for the rest of the Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> they'll get there yet. There's no fear of that. Ah, uh, yeah. No, Again. Look, yeah, it, it was it was class. And I said, like, I could only, like, I suppose it's something we all strive for in our own clubs to eventually be the best team in the county like but it's uh I said it's few 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 will ever reach reach the pinnacle so I said it, it must be great times there in the club and everybody involved but I suppose look that goes back to something that 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 we spoke about before like that he obviously were as good as he could have been in the day okay and if the referee had blown the ball blown the whistle on the puck out you're losers and it, everything is deflated but because you win and because the referee plays that extra 15 seconds and the ball ends up in the back of the net like it puts a huge different impression on what actually happened um, and what's happening in the club. That all of a sudden you're held up as a, a sort of beacon of, of best practice. Whereas if he hadn't won, the kind of narrative wouldn't be wouldn't be there as much. Like yeah, like that's a massively massively important point. Um, you know, 2019 for us was like an absolute kick in the teeth. We were in four county finals in 2019. Minor A got hammered by drum. Um, intermediate the day before the senior county final got bet by Sean Tracy's and then we were fancy to beat personally and they just turned us over they were the better team on the day and we were absolutely sick um, and then our under 21s thankfully got something out of the year they won the county final so like we had our, we had our downer period and it's a real important point about this this year's county final we gave everything we had like everything we probably felt even conceding three first half goals we probably felt we we were the better team in normal time but Lockmore there is no doubt that Lockmore were the better team in in extra time and we we could have had no complaints very same as against Bursley the previous year we could have had no complaints if we were bet but it's just so so hard to get over the line like it's outrageously hard to get over the line when you're playing in a county like Tipperary all clubs are fairly well even and um, you know you're going to be put to the pin of your collar and we just got lucky on the day to get over the line but it is a culmination of like insane hard work over the last years over the last two decades probably I suppose one maybe one again thing that brings me back to the movie is this thing of tradition you know a marshal like Wharton this they were and it, it comes to the fore at the end of the film where they, where they go through their stats over the 80s and 90s and how many 
they won eight eight regional championships and five national or five regional champions championships and two national championships and they were unbeaten in so many games and so on. Like this thing of tradition and it's kind of something that bugs me and it has bugged me down the years like that oh they're traditionally a very strong club and this kind of rubbish like I, I don't really buy into this and it's the same with hurling counties or they're not a traditional hurling county like I think that's all a bit of a myth like you know and, and that's maybe coming from Tipperary who count ourselves as one of the, the, the traditional hurling counties like it is a bit of a myth like I suppose it's all you have to bring it back to kind of evidence, like evidence of what kind of work is going on. Like we were never going to win the county final in 2019 or 2020 based on our tradition. And like any clubs that kind of tell you, oh, we have a really strong tradition in this club now winning county finals. Like the strongest clubs out there lose more than they win. Like, so I think this tradition thing is a, is a bit of a myth. And thankfully, Maybe we were um, we were an image of a non-traditional club winning a winning a county title this year, and hopefully that you know puts it to, puts it a small bit to bed. It's all like it has to be based on evidence. It has to be based on the type of work that you do in the previous years or the type of structures that in, that are in place, and obviously more importantly the type of players that you that you foster and you generate out of your club. Like that's what it has to be based on, and it's the same there, Marshall. Um, you know. They were a team of freshmen, like they were a team of little kids getting absolutely obliterated by huge units like every week. And and obviously over the over the years after the plane crash, they um they started becoming a winning force and, and, and that was good to see because their tradition was wiped out in a plane crash. So that just shows that they had to build it back up and they obviously built it back up by by hard work and by mm. by setting good structures in place. And it takes time. You just can't expect to come from nowhere to be winning things overnight. So will you, Dara, just give us a brief insight to the size of your club there, Kitty Dangan? You'd have approximately maybe 1,600 people in the parish. Uh, you'd kind of three villages as such. You'd have Puckon, you'd have Ballycommon, and you'd have Drummondier. You have two schools, basically. I'm principal in Kildangan National School. We'd have 140 pupils approximately. And then Carrig National School, where I actually taught for five years before I came over here, that's over in Ballycommon, and that has 240 kids. Now, again, that's 380 kids in the parish. I suppose the one thing about Carrig National School is you would have an awful lot of children coming out of Nina because it's right there on the ring road of, of the town. So maybe out of 240, you could have maybe 80 to 100 children that would be Nina-based. Um, but yeah, you have two good schools, and... Like I think a mass, you know, a massive thing of why we're a small bit successful at the moment is is everyone is around home. Uh, you know, we've nearly everybody's in college in Limerick. I think just say we've sixty one hurlers between our senior A and our senior B. All of them are in college, bar one. There's one that in anyway Galway, but the rest are all around Limerick, uh, be it LITUL or Mary I, and and so that means they're able to either live at home or they're able to pop back for Tuesday night trainings and things of like that. Like we've nobody in Dublin with nobody any further away so like that's a huge thing and it has been for us for the last few years so yeah that's relatively the size of it again we'd have a modest enough juvenile membership um non-playing membership would be modest enough but just as i said we're keeping everybody at the moment like there were nights this year and last year in fact that like we would have genuinely had maybe 50 in the field between 40 and 50 we'd be regularly on the 40 mark or mid 40s mm-hmm. Um, but just we're keeping everyone and again when you're when you're small but successful the buzz is good and 
and you kind of keep your you keep your numbers getting down to the field. And it's like, mm-hmm. like it just shows you were saying about you're in the minor final and intermediate final, senior final. Like as again, like for not such a big numbers wise, club wise, you have to be doing something right to like over not not just said over a year, like as you said, going back decades that the structures have been put in place, you're working through the schools, and it's invaluable that any club starts right at the youngest level. And it's like building the foundation of a house. It's like building the house, you need to put in the foundations. And if you don't have the foundations, the house is going to crumble. I think yeah. that's the process for any club. Oh, it is. Like, and again, again, I suppose our Matthew McConaughey or our Jack in Kildarangan was probably back in the mid-90s. Like, as I mentioned, my brother there, they, a good few of them left around the mid, uh, early to mid-90s. And the club was decimated. Like a lot of clubs at that time, you know, a lot of lads went, moved away for work and moved away to Dublin um, and foreign and these places like in 1996-97 and I have mentioned this before like our top team was Junior A getting absolutely hammered in Junior A matches and it was only like Amy Kelly came in and he took on a minor team in 1998 who won a minor B championship so again we were just competing at B and C like my, my first ever A game the first ever time I played A grade was when I was 19 years of age like I was consistently being bet in C finals and things. So Amy Kelly came in over a minor team in, in 1998 with, with three other very good lads and they won the county minor final and they nominated themselves to go back up intermediate. They never won the junior. They just asked could they go back up intermediate and it kind of rolled on from there. You know, that was our kind of moment where we had to build from there. And then it was a steady progress. It wasn't like, say, Clara and Kenny there a few years ago that, they won the All Ireland Intermediate, then they won went down and won the county final in Kilkenny. Uh, ours was a very much a steady process. It was first North, you know, the North Championship up here in Tipperary is is it's a bit you know it's it's a big championship. So for us, our, we won our first one of those in two thousand and one. Not our first ever, but our first one in twenty one years or something in two thousand and one uh, against Killer One, and then it took us until two thousand and four to win the county of the Intermediate. And from there, it took us to 2008 to win the North Senior title. And then it took another 12 years to win a county senior. So, like, there was a lot of a lot of players went through that process. A lot of lads went away with maybe only one medal or two medals. I suppose the current crop, they have won, they've won five, five North Championships. So, since 2008, we've won five in 12 years. So, you know, it was a much more steady process. But it was probably since 2009-10 that we've really, really, really focused on the juvenile um, aspect of it. The numbers started increasing in the schools. There was a good few more houses built around Pocon and just outside, you know, coming out of Nina into our parish. So our numbers started improving and, and we kind of got stuck into the schools and that has definitely paid uh, reaped rewards over the last few years. Like I'd say 60-70% of our and again, it's not all about winning, but just as a marker, 60 or 70 percent of our underage titles have been won since 2010, ever, like of the whole of the whole club history. So it's, um, you know, it's little things like that. But I suppose developing players and fostering a kind of a, a real good culture in the club has been has been huge for us. And Dara as well. So like obviously the fact that you, you're, you're, you're senior A and senior B. And you talk about fifty lads being on the field together, they are training together, and it's very much, we'll say, a senior team and a development team working towards. Like there's no, we'll say, lone wolves tipping away working with teams. It's all towards the greater good, is it? 
Yeah, no, 100%. We all train together. Uh, we've two good pitches there. Um, so if the senior A's had a had a division or a, had a championship match at the, on the Sunday day, on the Friday evening, they might pop up to the top pitch for a half an hour to go through maybe puckouts or go through some set, dead ball piece or, you know, something like that. But no, we train together. And um, we have we two coaches this year, Sean Tracy and John Meskell. And then Brian Lawler, our manager, is a is a very good coach as well. And then the senior A, senior B would have a separate management, but they'd be former players, and some of them would be even players who are now hurling junior. You know that are given a hand with the senior Bs, but mm. no, it's it's it, look. It had, we were we were lucky to stay up this year. We won the relegation semi final um, in the senior B, but it's so huge for us to have that. Like it's like you take it right. So we have a young lad there hurling midfield for our senior B this year, um, hurling mid- centre back midfield. Like in the few championship matches we played, he was man marking Bonner Maher in one. He's man marking Shawnee Ryan Rogers from Sean Tracy in another one. Like he's he's man marking. You know we could go play a challenge match and he'd be marking. Say yeah, Joe Brown was another one. You know so they're marking top class individuals. So if you see top class hurlers, if you see this lad doing okay on Bonner Maher this Saturday evening, you'd have no bother tra- throwing him in the following weekend the senior A matches. Was that's it's a real good stepping stone. I'm I'm hurling senior B at the moment and I can honestly say the last two years even though we lost intermediate final last year and senior B this year have been two of the most enjoyable years I've ever had heard of. And it's obviously not at the level I want to be hurling at, but um, just with commitments and not, you know, not getting to the field, not fit enough to hurt senior A. I'm so enjoying the senior B stuff. Like it's just, you know, it's really, and again, like what you have is if me at 34, you've two old dogs at 40, Tommy Connors and Newey Fannery, who are probably still our two fittest men in the club. And then you have a load of 17, 18, 19, 20-year-olds that you're trying to foster. Now, I'd say their heads are absolutely wrecked listening to us, telling them what to do and telling them where to run and where to go. But but still, it's a class level. And, and you know, it, it makes AVB matches there coming up to championship matches. It makes it nice and competitive. And and uh, it makes lads, it keeps lads on their toes. If they're, if they're, not, putting the, if they're not putting the mustard at senior A, you know, the the reality is they're still going to be playing at a, a senior a good level at senior B, but they um you know they they'll all be striving to make the top team. Did you enjoy the same senior the second with senior Bs because less pressure, less time commitments, you can kind of just embrace the actual playing without the whole tactics and all that side of it a bit, is it? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh I just like last year in Tunisia, I was playing in goals like in shots. <laughs> I was having more shots from goals than I was in when I was playing full <laughs> forward some of the time. No, yeah, it's just so enjoyable. Like, and and you can actually you can try a few things. Like, you know, like say the whole intermediate championship last year, we played with normally seven backs. Like, so one of our now forty-year-olds was was the seventh back. Like, we've never done that as senior, nor I don't think we ever would. But he played there. It suited us the whole year. Like, and we we got to an intermediate final and we got promoted as a, as a consequence. Like, in reality, we probably shouldn't have, but we were so. We were so well drilled and we were so kind of smart in the way we played. We deserved to get to the final and, and uh, we got promoted, as, as, uh, as I said. But it's um, no no pressure. Uh, it's, you know, I've, I've three boys now, I've three kids, and it's hard to get down to the field that often. And, and if you are going to the field, you're training a half seven, you're rocking in the door at 31 minutes past seven because there's probably a five-year-old hanging out with you coming in the gate. Um, so you just don't have the same time to give to it. Um but it's really, really enjoyable, as I said, playing with some of the newer young lads that we mightn't have known over the last few years. Um, 
it's a good bit of crack with them as well. They all have all have a good few stories to tell you as well. So, yeah. um, no, enjoying enjoying it now. Definitely you think, enjoying it. I think senior B is good. Wait till you get down to junior B and you. <laughs> <laughs> and then, oh, then social hurling after that, and you're, you're looking, yes. But look, I suppose one of the things in the film that I thought was very interesting, um, and like we talked about in the past here, was was when they went to West Virginia University and wanted to find out about Devere and the willingness to share the resources like and I know it's something in America where they share, share game film and stuff like that and it wouldn't be a great thing in the GA to be helping lads down the road but like I know you're willing willing enough to talk about what you're doing in Kildare but like what what are you doing let's say from a coach education perspective for the juvenile section like what kind of insight can you give us to what you're doing there um and just for for other clubs that they'll be listening in and they'll be thinking like, what are they doing like so what what have you been doing the last 10 years that have kind of helped improve standards overall yeah yeah again I suppose even even at the juvenile AGM this year it was kind of brought up like one area that it's probably an area that we really really need to focus on and keep improving is our coach education but one thing for instance that we did we did a 12-week program from say October to Christmas there where we had our 14s 15s so 13s 14s 15s and 16 year olds down in the pitch every Thursday night now they're in their small pods, you know, with COVID and things. So it was, it was a time when it was a bit opened up. They're in their small pods. And what we did was, so we, we took it in six-week blocks. First six weeks, they were using groups of eight, nine, or ten. So it was probably around 40 kids there in total. So four senior hurlers every night. And they'd go to a different corner of the pitch. And they would have just a little notepad where they'd um they'd have a batch of 10 lads for 10 minutes they'd have their drills organized so i might pop down or say joe Gallagher, or davy sweeney or someone might pop down have four drills organized so they might be doing you know high, high ball catching in one corner they might be doing rock ball and, and short hurley roll lift in another corner they might be doing uh running technique or or a match or sprint you know sprint 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 um technique in another corner and then they might be doing goal shooting in another in another area so what they do then is every 10 minutes just rotate like like station teaching in in, in primary schools they rotate every 10 minutes the boys the senior hurlers who were doing the coach and again they were used to doing all this type of stuff and they would have got it when they were younger but they'd have a little notepad and they'd they had a real proper access to these 10 lads that they could see maybe areas that these young lads could improve in. So if it's technique, if it's, if it's um, body shape, attacking the ball, all, all things like that, they have a quick little note on them. And then at the end of the night, so, and then the, another group would move on to them after 10 minutes and then the third group and the fourth group and so on. So at the end of the night, then they'd have a little note on nearly every player. So all the notes would be compiled after six weeks and each player then would get a work on card that they could go away and do, you know, when they go back training now in February or March, whatever it is, they know, right, geez, I have to do a bit of work here on my left side or have to do a bit of striking on my left or I have to do a bit of running technique or, you know, and a lot of it sounds a bit highfalutin for a 13 year old to be reading that type of stuff. But once their parents, I suppose, buy into it and parents really did buy into it, once they're aware of areas that slight improvement is needed, then they might go after things like that. So, what that did is obviously give a bit of attention to our 13, 14, 15, and 16 year olds who aren't that strong but have a nice, you know, a nice mix of players. And we're hoping that they will get a bit stronger over the next few years. But it also gave our senior hurlers a glimpse of, you know, who they're going to be playing with. Like like that 16 year old, when you're a 23 year old, 
and you see a 16 year old you're coaching him how to catch high ball or whatever the reality is in three years time he's probably going to be catching high ball for you and throwing it out to you you know so that's one thing as I said, what, what that did is give a bit of attention to our younger players, but it also maybe fostered a bit of a love for coaching in the senior hurlers. So you'd only do one night, then four more lads will come the next night, four more lads will come the following night. And what we've done is we've actually got three or four new coaches far or under 15, 17 and so on for the year year ahead. Um, some lads like that who are hurling senior B or could even be hurling junior B didn't even know they liked coaching until they came down and did a little thing like this and now they're mad for action, and they're, they're mad to take it on. So that's one initiative. I suppose, again, going back the years, going back to 2010, 11, 12, we really, really focused on getting senior hurlers over the underage teams. Now, I know that sounds difficult, and you'd say, Jesus, how did I have the time, and so on. We just trained on the same nights. If the seniors were training Tuesday, Friday, the senior lad would come down at half six, he'd take the under 12s, they'd train half six to half seven, then he'd go into his own training. And it worked. It just it just got a bit of a buzz going around around the juvenile club. Senior lads were taking them on. It gave parents a bit of a chance to stand back. You know, you always hear of the father over the under 10 team and he's an absolute lunatic because his own lad is hitting puck outside lines, freeze, the whole lot. It kind of alleviated a lot of that. And uh, it gave us a chance to to foster a good good energy around the club and a good culture around um, senior hurlers and the older lads buying into the, the juvenile section. So that was the main coach education we've had. Like we've, we have very, very good GDAs around um, and they would have put on a lot of, you know, a lot of coaching courses over the years that some lads would have gone to, but it's kind of been getting down and dirty down the hurling field was, was our main education for most lads. Yeah. Like I think what you've said about, about getting the senior players involved, I think every club aspires to that, but yeah. a lot of clubs fail in it because they, look, as I said, you made it as easy as possible for Dara Egan to coach in the 12 team. Dara, can you come down to half six? Yeah, no problem. Look, I'm single, whatever. On the way back from college, I can do that. But uh, I suppose a lot of clubs, they might ask too much of, uh, of, player, of players because like senior players at clubs at the moment, they're probably training to get, they're collectively training three nights a week in the gym and other two nights a week. And geez, yeah. the chance to spend two nights on their own, they're probably delighted with it. But if we can make it as easy as possible for them. So as you said, like you said, same nights a little bit earlier. That's great. And like I, I think the players, the young kids, like I know that, jeez, anytime we any of the other players come into training us when we were younger, we used to love it. Like, oh yeah, I'm sure my own lad is five and a half. Like he, do, he doesn't want to be listening to me. Never mind, you know. He he wants to see Joe. You know, he wants Billy Connors telling him hit that ball off your left hand side rather than me. Like and, mm. you know, he they want the lads that they're going looking at on the on on the Sunday or the Saturday or. Like that's that's really what they want. Now, as I said, we have slipped on it a few for the last few years. Our teams aren't playing at at, at as high a level, maybe underage as we'd like at the moment, but we're actively trying to get back on the wagon there. Like another big thing, and it goes back to middle coach education is 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 uh, the schools. You know, we really really attack the schools. We've had we've had we've some brilliant teachers in in both our schools. They're not all Canadian people, but they. They still put the shoulder to the wheel for the for the school um for the school hurling and things of like that. Like if you take Carrick School over, like they went from F to B consecutively over the years. Like and say Brian Malatney, I'd say he was probably on he was probably on the D, C, and B winning teams. Like so, you know, when he was in fourth, fifth, and sixth class. So there's a lot of work on into the schools. Even this year now, again, we're trying to. 
we were just trying a new initiative there. It's up at the moment. We're, we're hoping for a few applications before the end of January where we're given a coaching scholarship. We're given hopefully two actually where we're asking anyone, I suppose, between 18 and 25 in our club who, because they're all learning remotely now and they're all online, um, they may they might be off on a Thursday or a Friday from college or they might, you know, their lectures mightn't start till two or three o'clock. So what we're doing is we're hoping to give out maybe... 2,000 euro worth of scholarships where they take on the school's coaching for the year. So they get into Carrick School from 10 o'clock to 1 o'clock or 10 o'clock to 2 o'clock on a Thursday and they get into my school here from 10 o'clock to 2 o'clock on a Friday and the club puts forward then uh, say 1,000 euro or 2,000 euro towards their college fees or towards their um, towards their you know if, if they're not in college towards their general expenses or whatever. So again that kind of came from the 12-week development program that we did with the 13s to 16s and it generated a few new coaches so what we have now with a few people applying that are you know hoping to get in on that gig it's grand you know it's a good nice scholarship for someone who's living local is still able to do their college work but is getting into the schools and getting a bit of coaching done and, and giving a bit back in you know Invaluable. It's invaluable. Just one quick thing on your on about feedback there for say a thirteen year old. You thought it'd be a bit much, but like children grow up with feedback in schools. Like they're getting feedback all the time from yeah, teachers. You know, they report cards and everything. Like they're getting that from like junior, senior infants. So like, there's no harm telling them kids how to improve or what you're doing right or how you can improve. So like sometimes I think coaches are scared to give that feedback to um to their younger juvenile players. Yeah. Yeah, no, they're little, they're little work on cards now. I suppose we'll only know how well they worked when they get back into action in March, April and May and that, you know. But mm-hmm. but it was a great process, as I said. Like, mm-hmm. It was obviously a brilliant process for the kids, but like for the for the senior lads, it brings them back to earth as well. Mm-hmm. Like, it's all well and good winning, winning titles inside the stadium. They have to remember that. Like, that's that's where they got their, uh, that's where they got their education and, and their, their mm-hmm. hurling education. So... It's good for them to give back as well, and they are. They're 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 really willing and able to do it. So, it's um it's good. And and look, as I said, like it's it's the it's the twenty two year old coach and the sixteen year old is what you want to get to, because yeah. three years time, you know, I suppose one thing these are little small things that we did over the years, and it it can work. It it doesn't always work, but like one thing we took from Schlapp Neil actually about five years ago so Joe Gallagher our centre forward he's a maths teacher in Templemore and I, I did a degree in Irish in, in NUI always so we did maths and Irish grinds every Saturday for six months uh, for the leaving certs so eight or nine or ten leaving certs would pop into us in the school here on a Saturday morning they'd do 10 to 11 in maths 11 to 12 in Irish <laughs> whether we were any use to them or not we don't really know but but I suppose their parents are letting them off on a Saturday morning saying lovely now at least they're opening the book for two hours of, over the weekend and then they've no bother letting them down training on the Saturday evening or the Sunday morning because at least they're a bit done so it's it's like there's so many little small initiatives like that 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 bind bind it together I'm not saying it's the be all and end all and it doesn't mean that you win stuff because of it but what it does mean is that you you're given you're given practical you're given practical t- use of your time back to young lads that are going to be hurling with you in two or three years yeah no look the, the the three or four things you're after talking about there they, they're all great but any club could do them if there's the will and desire to do them because they're they're pretty much well maybe you might need to go out and look for that that maths teacher or whatever but the skill set you can find the skill set required to deliver all of that really well. 
and like I often people look at the Dublin fund an issue but people aren't thinking outside the box of how to go about things you know and like that was one of the great things in the film that uh, they would say that the president Donald kept talking about oh this is the way it's always been there's like there's never been freshmen allowed play and like Jack was pushing well we'll do it a different way you know and that looking at doing things differently to how they had been doing is 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 really good and you know it's really encouraging just to hear of what's going on in the club and like we're, we're hearing about it today possibly because of the success yeah, yeah. Like there's, there's clubs doing brilliant stuff yeah. these are only little tips and, and I suppose again back to that's a brilliant point you made back to the film my favourite part in the whole film was when when Dawson was you know they're after winning the game Dawson's inside in the dressing rooms and bawling his eyes out like after being through an absolute mental torture for the previous few months have has had you know went away from it came back from it went away from it again and you know he he re, you know obviously overjoyed that he's won something but Jimmy the, Jimmy the janitor comes in he's cleaning up all the jerseys and he says well done you know well done Dawson uh, congratulations and he turned around to him he said Jimmy congratulations to you too so like he had and again it's very high and so all you have to sweep the dressings and all this rubbish that's going on but he genuinely turned him and looked at him and he said look congratulations to you too and it's the same in every club like these things are feasible for all clubs like we have lads we we have lads say our pro who's actually gone on to the divisional board now as pro like the amount of work he does our twitter page is on fire there and there's you know there's stuff going up left right and center um, I suppose one of the main men in our club over the last 10 years is a lad who probably his level was maybe junior A, cornerback, never made any of the top teams. But by Jesus, he's some work done around construction or, you know, building things around around the club, uh, getting teams together. He's been over under 21 teams. Um, it's You need all them people in clubs. It's just a matter of actually getting out and getting them on board. You know, if as you said, if we had to find a French grinds teacher for this year that a lot of our a lot of our minor team are doing French well sure we just go find it like you know and, yeah. and if you have to give them 50 euro every Saturday or if you have to give them 30 euro every Saturday for an hour but but parents are, are happy that the club is providing a, a facility like that or, I'm not saying the club has to provide a facility like that but things like this are being put on in the club well then you're going to have happy parents you're going to have young lads who are opening the book at the weekend and you're going to have you're going to have a bit of a bit of camaraderie, bit of camaraderie built up, um, within your within your group of players too. Yeah, that's class. Um, one of the things in the film, and it was said later on by Raiders, that the only thing they judge us on is winning. And I suppose I'm emphasizing the day that, like you're you're the coaching officer, you're a principal inside the club, let's say, and you're part of the senior panel. But for the people outside, they're only judging you on the winning. But internally within the club, like. I suppose even as a principal, you're seeing so many different facets and so many different layers to what the club are actually trying to do for every young fella. Like you spoke about the fella, the quarterback for the junior A team, who's now your PRO, invaluable to the club. But if we only focus on winning from top to bottom, he's cast aside a long time ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, we don't we don't have any secret sauce as to how we kept players. What we did do over the years was... We put we put emphasis on you know player camaraderie and 
you know, every year for a few years there, the first thing we do, we do maybe two months hard training as a full group, seniors, when we were intermediate and junior B, full group would do a few months hard training. And the first thing we do in March is have a massive FIFA competition. Everyone would get into a room, 36 lads, 40 lads, whatever it is, a few cans, Saturday evening, drink the shite out of it basically and have a bit of crack. And here you have 18 year olds who are now, Best, you know, I won't say best friends, but are getting a bit of getting a bit of attention and getting a bit of crack out of your intercounty lads, or you know, just bringing that kind of bond. So I would say, look, every club would, would claim that they've right good camaraderie. We we definitely feel we have winning helps that. You know, when they win a minor title, they win an under twenty one title, it definitely helps. But the big thing is that you're looking out for fellas as well. You have to you have to develop the player as a whole, and there will be a role for some lad. Like even, look, this, this we're kind of talking in the last decade now, like go back to 2001, like we had a lad playing cornerback and again, barely making the junior team a few years earlier. He just emptied himself to try and make the intermediate team in 2001. He made it. He made it all the way up through 2001 when they won, 2004 when they won, played on the All-Ireland team cornerback and just petered away then 2007-8, which is fine. He's been chairman of our club um, he's been treasurer of our club over the last decade. But again, like he was nowhere to be seen in the year 2000. He wasn't going to make any team. But by Jesus, he's nearly transformed our club over the last few years, over the last two decades, like between playing and on the board, at the board level. I suppose just going back into film, like Ruffin, uh, Nate was probably that kind of a inspirational character within the group, you know. Um, and he struggled, he was probably struggling mentally like this when he got injured or when he was injuring his own players in the training sessions. But I suppose Jack had to know it all to actually go and talk to him. Um, that a lot of times that in the GA, I suppose we mightn't have to part the skills to talk to someone on a personal level, to be a counsellor or a psychologist essentially is what it was. But Jack was able to identify that. Like, But I suppose it is important that clubs are able to I suppose, see when, when there might be something outside of the club causing somebody a bit of grief that you're able to identify, like, as a, as a coach, it's very important. Yeah, and I think I think that's where, you, as a coach, see, you're so heavily invested, and, in, like, the way a senior club championship has gone, you're so heavily invested in preparing the team and getting stuff ready. Like, you have to be a good man-manager as well. Like, like lads, nowadays, I suppose, they have they have their own struggles. There's, there's financial worries for some lads. There's all sorts of things going on. So, you probably need a set of eyes outside the group is what I'd say at present. You need someone that you can trust that is keeping an eye on what's going on or, you know, and this could be, this could be number 39, you know, it could be a 37 year old who's number 39 on the, on the team list every day. He might be your, your set of eyes that is keeping an eye on how the group is because if you're a manager or you're a coach, you're not really getting down and dirty. You're not really getting into the nitty gritty of what's going on in lads' lives because you don't have time, number one. And number two, you want to keep your kind of professional distance from them. So you need a set of eyes either within the group or, or outside the group that can maybe point you in the direction of saying, geez, you better talk to that lad. He was very low there the last four or five days. It's the same in all team setups. Mm. Like it's the same. And it was the same with, with Nate Ruffin in the movie. Like he, yeah, he he eventually broke down when himself and Jack were having the chat, and he was baiting him on the shoulder to see was he going to be okay for the second half. Like you know, he the mental the mental torture took took over him, and um, you know he needed he needed to be chatted to. And I think 
you know, that's it's it's just really important now in, in all clubs that, that that lads are, you know, you keep an eye out for lads, but it will it often takes an outside set of eyes to notice notice the lad that's maybe not himself or or not um you know, there's a reason that he's not getting to the field every night or partaking properly. Also Nate Nate in the movie as well, when he when he got the whole village, when he got the town of Marshall outside yeah. the window of the board. Yeah, it's brilliant. Class class brilliant and, brilliant scene yeah um you know he's the kind of he's the kind of michael jordan going after dennis rodman down to vegas kind of that's the kind of that kind of moment he he organizes it all and you know he he kind of knows the town he knows the run of the town and he organizes that and again it's class at the end of it he's uh he's buried beside all these buddies who were killed in the crash too um anything else lads I, I thought there were some little brilliant little pointers in the whole film there um like the little one the little one with the names again, just the names and the helmets. If you're a coach and you're taking the under sixes or under eights and <laughs> yeah, you have a load of them there. Like it's just ask the parents to put their names and a sticky thing like that. And you can call them. It's very simple and it's a uh, works treat. Yeah. Put, a little, put a little red dot beside the lively lads then as well. Have their names and a red <laughs> yeah. dot or an asterisk. Beside or a triangle the or something. Yeah. Just to point them <laughs> out. <laughs> but I thought, I thought like, geez, I thought there was some great little pointers there. Um, the one point that I uh, say yourself, Cullum, and Paul probably won't admit it, um, when you're recruiting players for a college team and you're, you're saying, how are they going to get on? Are they going to come? Are they going to come? And then they get the leaving cert. And like, I remember having, bringing a player, we thought we'd have nailed on and uh, went on to win a couple of All-Irelands and a few All-Stars. And I ring him and says, what's the story? How would you go I did better than I expected. I'd be getting my first offer. And I was like, oh, fair play to you. And I was good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It gives a real good, the whole movie, obviously there's serious, there's a lot of sadness in it and there's a lot of, you know, underdog type stories, but it actually gives a good uh, indication of what, what college ball is like over there as well. Like the NCAA, I suppose most of us here, we just see the Sky Sports NFL, like but anyone who lives in America, they prefer all the college ball, like they prefer the NCAA, both in in American football and basketball and stuff. So it gives a good a good angle on how they recruit. Obviously, they were allowed to recruit freshmen, which was which was a big thing in this movie. But it's uh, it's a, it's it's just that's the way American sports work. It's re, it's cool, like it's it's cool the way they recruit and is the, the way they build their teams. Is the affinity towards the college sports over there? Is that because of the community aspect? Like that, if you're from Huntington, like um. I don't know, it's in Virginia. I'm not too sure what, what state it's in, but like yeah, Virginia. 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 Like, Virginia. No NFL team. I don't know. I don't know where Virginia have a close NFL team. Whereas they've got college teams and they've got like we would have talked about Friday Night Lights and about the high school as well. Is that is is high school football and subsequently college, are they as close you can get to GA club community uh, for Americans in that like because mm-hmm. you know there's no well there's no drop down league, there's no junior B B American football teams floating around, you know. Um, and is that is that the affinity they have? Yeah, yeah, it is. Like it is, and it's so pure. You see, like there's obviously again big deal made about they can't get money or they can't even take a pair of boots off Nike or Adidas if they're if they're trying the front lawn or their parents can't take any money. You know, it's it's really really pure, and it is. It's that real kind of local thing. I know again, just back to a small story that my brother told me over there. Um, so one of the lads that played with St. Charlotte's with, in Chicago, the underage GA team, uh, again, he's first generation Irish. Um, he, he's just finished with New York Rangers. And I think he's gone to some big club in uh, ice hockey. This is sorry. No. Uh, 
so he was on the Rangers he was on the Rangers playing list with them for maybe a year and a half he's a right good young lad and he would have been their best hurler you know American born best hurler mm. up along under four, 12, 14, 16 and they'd have a real like he, Colin would be following him on on, on NHL 2021 like on the, on the PlayStation and stuff they'd have a real affinity to lads like that but like as you said Colin they all they all play with the local high school team they go on then to the local regional the college team and then they're snapped up by the NHL but it, it they have to go through the process like they're not it's not like Premier League soccer they're brought in at 14 and built up from there they have to go through the process and, and that's that's where the, the similarities to the GA come Another thing in the, in the film I really liked as well was when the president kept getting rejected from his letters and uh, Jack was real good at the analogies in, in the film and he, he talked about did you, did you phone your wife up to ask her to marry you? <laughs> and, did she, and did she say yes in the letter? And then you actually see when he goes off to to actually have that face-to-face meeting and it's pissing rain and, and the man's looking going, geez, you're out there putting some effort in to come here to get an answer. Like it's very difficult to say no to people in them situations. And then Jack done it himself in the scene where he went to, to Red as Red was building the, the garage shed. Yeah, yeah. One by sixes. Yeah, the, the one by sixes or, or was it one by fives? It was one by six. <laughs> uh, but it, so Red kind of said something to end the conversation. And two seconds later, the next sentence is Jack's up on top of the shed with him and he's having the face-to-face conversation. And it gets it gets fairly deep or whatever. And Jack is looking off into the distance. And you can be sure he had it planned out that he talked about the train and asked about, geez, did, a, did a, a train go off that tracks a couple of years ago and crash and whatever? And he just goes, yeah, geez, the train's back on track, you know. But it was that fact that he was face to face with him and creating them connections. I thought was was really powerful and and like in creating them powerful connections with people by being there and, and talking about stuff that isn't necessarily American football or hurling or football or whatever. It created it allows people to to perform for each other in in, in different environments, you know. Yeah, and even on in that same scene, Paul. We're talking about the one, the bits of timber, one by fives or one by sixes, and and just as he's getting down off the roof, he, he lit another little spark in him. He says, "Oh yeah, one by sixes, same coverage though. That's not it. Basically, covers the same on the roof, but yeah. back back to back to back to marine football lingo." And I'd say your man was like, "This fucker, no, he's he's, <laughs> he's, he's rightly trying to stir me up, and and, and it works, it works." That was that was actually one of my favorite parts, uh, or one of my favorite lines in the film was was when he said, "I have a job offer for you, and it's a better job offer for you." <laughs> yeah. How can it be better? Like I was offered the top job, but he said, "No, you're mm-hmm. only assistant coach, less less pay, less responsibility, and less pressure." And it's something we would have spoke about. That it's much easier to be the second in command than to be the head honcho. It's a much mm-hmm. it's well some people, some people loved uh, being being the responsibility of the full thing, but for a lot of people, just not having that much pressure on you as an individual is a lot more forgiving, let's say. But if you go back to what you said about asking the senior player down or someone to get involved looking after a team, 
if you say, look, just look after the coaching. You don't have to talk to the parents oh, yeah. or send out, send out the text messages or get the jerseys or whatever. We're just going to make it as simple as possible for you. It's a lot easier sell than saying, I want you to come down and manage the under-14s for the year. Mm. Yeah. And again, like, I, I, must, I must stress that, like, the, yes, we had lads involved, you know, and our senior hurlers took our underage teams. The, the, the parents weren't discarded completely. Like, they, they, they did all the... They did the texting, they did the washing the jerseys, they organised the team list. It's like, it's like the lad, you know, the, the hurler, I suppose, who's a small bit more caught for time. He's popping in and he's, he's, he just has to basically get down, get down to work. You know, he doesn't have to do all the, all the donkey work. You know, look, there's, there's loads, loads of really, really good nuggets in it now. It's a good, it's a good show. But again, it's McConaughey makes it like you can't. can't uh, hang on a second now, Derry. Well, <laughs> hang on a second. Who Kate Mara makes the film. She's a she's American football blue blood. She is. We get to sort of Paul every four or five episodes. So every four or five minutes. <laughs> yeah, oh, she's fantastic. She's, uh, her family yeah, are good. owners of the Giants. And Dawson's wife is good too. A very good actress. Yeah. <laughs> Right, um, here, go on, we'll give, we'll give, we'll, we'd better give uh, Jack a score out of five, so there, as a guest, what do you want to give him? You can give him anything between 0.1 to 5.0. I'd give him a 4.4, and the reason okay. I'd take 0.6, I suppose, he, um, yeah, look, he, he's just class, I suppose, one, it's it's probably his accent, but because Connor sketches and Connor Moore takes him off so well now, <laughs> you can just hear the at the end of every at the end of every, and it, it, it kind of gets into your head after about an hour through the film. You're like, oh Jesus, he's, uh, <laughs> he's drawn out the he's drawn out the last letter and all them words and that. But uh, no, look, he's it, it, it's a great show. Um, it, he he's very very good and he really makes it. And uh, I think the thing he um you know. They said in in real life he he went on to be the athletic director in the naval academy and he obviously had a bit of pedigree about him so he uh, he took on a he took on a job with no one else would in fairness to him so um, he deserves to get about four point four very good Paul um, I'm gonna give him a four point five a few things he done I really liked was so when the the president Donald arrived around to the house. And the kids are playing in the garden and one of them lashed into the tree and he couldn't care less. It was like, yeah, you're after you have to get in the belt there, work away, that's grand. But his just his eccentric manner on the pitch, and he was very much himself. He wasn't trying to fit into a specific style or anything. He was being himself, and I like that. Just on that Paul, I, I don't know if you've seen the Drew Brees tweet that I put up, um, or I retweeted there. You know, after the Saints lost to um, the Bucks, and his kids, he's also chat to Tom Brady on the pitch, and he's got he's got three, he's got four kids, three boys and a girl, and whatever they're playing, they're playing away, but the girl is on the ground, or she's got one of the older brothers on the ground, and she's just jumping up and kneeing him into the side, and she's just doing it, and then she starts doing cartwheels over him, so putting her hands on him, flipping over, <laughs> and eventually he gets up and runs away. And Brady throws a ball as well. He throws a ball to the end zone for one of the others and he catches it. But I, I just, I don't know if you've ever followed Drew Brees on Instagram, or he, but it, during the lockdown, he used to throw up a load of videos and the boys used to just be kicking the shit out of each other. <laughs> and, and it was the exact same. And I seen the, the clip this, this morning, I was just thinking back to the film, like, and it was like that, just kind of, they'll be grand, like, there's no, yeah. like, no hassle with them. They'd be yeah. away, but like, 
there was kind of a, a semi supervision going on, but um, nobody's going to get hurt. Yeah, but for even when Don comes, like when Don arrives, he the first thing he starts talking, to, he's he's it's his job application, it's his interview, and he starts talking about your man, the young lad doing a poo in his pants, like that's, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, yeah. You know, it's just it's oh. kind of, again call him your tweet, like that girl, I, I I think she's six and the others yeah. are like eight, nine and ten. Yeah. But it's obviously the eight-year-old on the ground because she wasn't going taking on the nine-year-old. <laughs> but she, no. dri- she literally drives her knees down into him straight away and as you said, those cartwheels over him for about yeah. two minutes. So. <laughs> Brilliant. It is very good. That's right. Oh, I give him a 4.5 as well. Um, I think if, like there's so many little nuggets in the film there, like he, um, he saw that the game plan wasn't working, so they had to throw it out the window and adapt to something else. Um, there was just so if you just watch the film from like a coach's eye, just watch him, and I think you get you get so much out of it. Not from like Cullum's teary-eyed eye, which a lot of the film is about, but from a real coaching point of view, I think it's a great film to watch. And I thought he was an excellent, excellent coach. And the other thing is like you have to ask for things and go around and like oh, the worst thing that happens if you're asking your chairman or whatever. The worst thing to do is say no. And then you ask him in a different way. And so I think I thought it was just a brilliant film and he was a great, great character. Yeah, I'm going to give him a 4.6. So we'll balance out at 4.5 overall. Jesus. Um, <laughs> just look, as I said, he, I thought he did he did everything he, he could have. Um, I thought good character. And like you said, Massey, I think that was one of the important things is that, especially in the GA, like there's so many rules and stuff. Like, like I know, Darrow, if you're on the sideline now at an inter-county game, like the fourth official is bursting your balls for the match. Oh, Jesus. You know? And there's so many little things like that within the GA that you'd love to just be able to just change it. But to just uh, the bureaucracy of going about those kind of things, like I don't know, look, it, it has to be easier to make some sort of rule changes. But it's. Uh, it is. It is. It's a bit bananas. Now, again, obviously, this year with COVID and things, it was, it was, it was much different and it had to be strict. But my God, there's some crazy, there's some crazy rules there. Like it's mm. just, oh, stop! They won't even go into them now. You don't want to get you in trouble there, yeah, Darren. Don't want to get you in trouble. <laughs> but our fourth officials are lovely, though, Darren. Yeah, yeah, lovely. Yeah, yeah. Right. Okay, yeah. we leave it at that. Uh, Darren, thanks very much for your time. I suppose look, best of luck next year for with uh, with the club. Do you really mean it? Dude? No, just for the club. Just for the club. Just for the club. Just for the club. <laughs> no, look, um, best of luck. Look, we'll be keeping an eye out on things. Um, I don't think you've anything to plug, do you? I know, like I said, to kill a dang, and I know your the Twitter page is active, and they are sharing sharing stuff from time to time. So if anyone wants to just pop onto it, you'll just as I said the scholarship that you spoke about. There's a there's an A4 page um, explanation of what it is, and it's about and Jesus for any club in the countryside. 2,000 euro is not going to break the bank and they spend it on a lot more stupid stuff but if you can get some top quality coaching into every single kid in the parish for a couple of weeks uh, towards the end of the year it would be a great start um, so yeah no no thanks a million I really enjoyed that no, and enjoyed, enjoyed analysing the movie with, with, with this kind of detail as well no, it was class great so, stuff great star. stuff right thanks Thanks for joining us today. Please leave a review on your favourite platform and if you enjoyed it, tell a friend. You may also want to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Roy Orbison Tattoo and we appreciate any likes, retweets, comments or suggestions for future viewings. Next week, we will be watching Rudy and we will have Owen Mooney on to discuss the show with us and be available next Tuesday morning as always. Thanks everybody. (laughs) 